0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Last weekend, thousands of people marched across Australia to protest against lockdowns. Officially, the rallies were called Marches for Freedom, but attendees represented a wide cross-section of the community, from anti-vaxxers to conspiracy theorists and the far right. But the sheer size of the protests suggests that the anti-lockdown movement might also be crossing over into the political mainstream. Today, journalist and disinformation researcher at the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, Ariel Bogle, on the different groups behind these marches, why they're growing, and the Australian politicians trying to capitalise on lockdown discontent. It's Thursday, July 29th. Ariel, we saw so-called freedom rallies take place across Australia over the weekend. They drew a lot of attention. But this isn't the first time that we have seen protests against lockdowns during this pandemic, is
1: it? Well, we definitely saw anti-lockdown protests in the United States last year and throughout Europe. You know, my body, my choice. I take care of myself. I should be able to have the freedoms to go out and do... My work, my business, my job, my take care
2: of my... Across France, protests were planned in cities including Marseille, Montpellier, Nantes and Toulouse.
1: I think, though, we didn't pay too much attention to what was happening here because there were plenty of kind of small, say, anti-vaccination protests in Australia last year.
2: There There are doctors all over the internet who are being censored for talking out about the lies that the media and the government is telling us about this, they are being censored. But the
1: ones where we started to sit up and take notice and the ones that seemed more seriously organised were also in Melbourne last year during the long lockdown. More than 100 anti-lockdown protesters have gathered in Melbourne's CBD to protest the new restrictions hours before they came into effect. And there was a lot of discussion then of the economic motivations for why they were protesting, but also plenty of references to, say, QAnon conspiracy theories anti-vaccination material, COVID denialism, like the whole gamut. COVID-19 is a made-up, it is a fiction. So I think it's important too that we don't miss that this was a global thing. There were protests around the world on Saturday, all under this banner of the Worldwide Rally for Freedom. So let's talk a bit more about the Freedom Rallies.
0: I think a lot of people were shocked to see how... Big they were on the weekend, particularly in Sydney. So, do we know how many people were involved?
1: Yeah, in Sydney, officials estimate there are about 3,000 attendees. Of course, organisers claim there were way
2: more. We felt this vibration through the streets and police cars were scattering and blocking off intersections in front of us. And as we walked on maybe 50 more metres, the the line of cavalry, the police officers on mounted horses and the people were behind them. And as far as our eye could see, it was just lined and lined with people.
1: But in terms of people that were there, I mean, there was a lot of what you might expect, people who... uh, Into the far edges of wellness movements, anti-vaccination activists. I don't care. You want the vaccine? Take the vaccine. But don't force me to take it. Libertarians.
2: We're protesting the police state. We're protesting our rights.
1: People on the far right, but also something a bit different. I think we saw some people there that have probably never been involved in a protest like this before.
2: Hi, my name's Nathan. I'm from Sydney, New South Wales. Me and my wife went to the protest. We'd never been to a protest before, so it was daunting. We did have a level of anxiety leading into
1: it. It seems like it's brought in people that feel impacted financially by the pandemic. For example, 7am spoke to one man, Nathan. Nathan and his young family live in the southern highlands of New South Wales, and he joined a range of online groups that were critical of the pandemic.
2: So I grew up on the Central Coast originally, um, and after school, I went and done my carpentry apprenticeship. I then went on to get my certificate in carpentry and went on to become a licensed builder. Since then, I've run three successful companies. We were affected by the lockdowns and we had to delegate some of our staff to JobKeeper and rely on some of the subsidies from the government. So we were, we were grossly affected and our company was, was definitely put on pause for a great period of time there.
1: So I think really it's kind of confounding to sort out all those motivations. Certainly it's not just some fringe movement of conspiracy theorists at all. I mean, this encompasses a huge range of people.
2: Everybody was promoting different messages as far as we're against mandatory vaccines or we're against lockdowns or we're against masks or we're against censorship or oppression or tyranny, things like that. But the, the common cause was freedom and freedom of choice and human rights and everybody that we've seen
0: there. Is- mm. So why do you think it is that we've seen this movement grow so much and grow so much specifically in the way that it has with all these different types of people and different demographics, but also at this moment in time.
1: Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, if we look at the language of this protest, like the worldwide rally for freedom, on its face, what's wrong with that? We all kind of like freedom, right? So there's the language of personal rights, uh, medical freedom, anti-medical authoritarianism. We see this kind of syntax in these groups a
2: lot. Uh, This is about our freedoms. Whether you believe that masks work or lockdowns work or any of these things, you know, a majority of people will believe in their freedom and their constitutional rights.
1: So I- Even the phrase, my body, my choice, which is borrowed from the uh, reproductive rights movements, like there's this language and syntax borrowed from progressive uh, movements that have a lot of kind of resonance with the community. So there's that global language of medical freedom, I think, that's really been picked up. And this sort of idea of pro-citizen or citizens' rights movements that are focused on individual freedoms over restrictive public health measures. I mean, there was actually a promotional trailer for the protests on Saturday and I think it really speaks to how this could appeal to a lot of different agendas.
0: We can't pay bills. We can't do anything because
1: we're losing money. The video starts out speaking about the economic hardship of lockdown, but then sort of moves towards the shadowy elites who caused the lockdown and caused this pain for small business.
2: It's designed to have no small business, just gigantic corporations that control and produce everything. They're
1: not telling you everything about these shots. Please don't
0: get it. Graphene oxide, is it a poison? It is most definitely a poison. Sue, there's, there's no other reason for this to be in here except to murder people.
1: And there's some ominous clips about dangerous vaccine ingredients, I mean, vaccine passports.
2: Way, a passport. doing things. Now's the time to arm yourself, your family.
1: All that kind of language that is calculated to put people in a kind of fearful state. So there was certainly something for everyone in Saturday's protests. They were really kind of a big tent under which people could organise according to a whole range of grievances, concerns, uh, even conspiracy theories. And that's really something that politicians can tap into.
2: So ladies and gentlemen, what I want to say to you all is to maintain the rage because freedom is precious, freedom is important and we cannot let it die here in our own country.
0: I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This,
2: as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest, Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter, bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at the slash newsletters.
0: Ariel, these protests against lockdowns, they're bigger right now than they've ever been, at least in Australia, and there are plans to continue them in the coming weeks. And we're also seeing, as you mentioned, politicians being drawn into all of this. So can you tell me a bit more about that, what we're seeing and we're hearing from politicians on the issue?
1: Well, the response from most political leaders has been one of strong condemnation. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian said the protesters had broken her heart, quote unquote. Can I say how absolutely disgusted I was? It broke my heart. I mean, even the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, called the protesters selfish and reckless. Of course it was selfish. It was also self-defeating. It achieves no purpose. It will not end the lockdown sooner. He said that it had like offended many Sydney siders, and you know suggested that behaviour didn't really help anyone. And I think it offended many, many fellow Sydney siders. But that response does mask the fact, really, that there were politicians, uh, particularly on the conservative side, that actually voiced support for these kinds of protests, and some who even took part. Which politicians took part in the protests? Well, I think the one that's won the most attention has been George Christensen, the Nationals MP. Uh, He actually spoke at a small rally in Mackay. The
2: problem is right now our freedoms to actually speak up, to go out and about, to associate with other people, to choose what we wear,
1: to choose what we put into our body. All of these things... Are under attack from government. And, government, and it's important to note there that protests in Queensland aren't really under the same restrictions as the ones in Sydney or Melbourne at the moment. Um, but in the days leading up to the nationwide protests, he uh, promoted the event on his social media pages, talked about freedom lovers and asked them to voice the opposition to pandemic restrictions.
2: on our freedoms. We will not comply! And we should not comply, because at some point in this fight... Civil disobedience is going to have to be done and, uh, you know, we're going to have to prepare for that at
1: some stage because I see
2: that day coming
1: very, very
2: soon, very...
1: There was also the former Liberal MP turned independent, Craig Kelly. He addressed the Brisbane protest uh, by telephone as well and there was One Nation Senator Malcolm Roberts as well who recorded a video message.
2: This will send a strong message to governments, both federal and state, that we value our freedom.
1: And these guys, they are receiving support from some politicians like Barnaby Joyce. Barnaby Joyce is Leader of the Nationals and Deputy Prime Minister. Welcome back to Breakfast. Thanks, Fran. It's great to talk to you again. He told ABC Radio that uh, everybody has the liberty to say what they want. Do you have a problem with those sentiments from George Christensen?
0: Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with them. I mean, that's we, how far do you want to go? I, I don't agree. Well, with I them. want to know: can we afford to have a member of parliament endorsing no. behaviour that
1: could lead to even more infections and even longer lockdowns?
0: What, so let's be let's be realist about this. Everybody has liberty to say w- what they want.
1: So not really an outright condemnation of these people and these politicians um, in their involvement in these protests. Mm.
0: And so, what do you think is going on here, Ariel? Is this a case of these politicians? genuinely holding these strong beliefs about lockdowns or is it more cynical than that? Are they trying to capitalise on the movement to boost their own popularity?
1: I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? I really don't pretend to know what's in their heart of hearts. I mean, there is something to appeal for a politician in all this. These are passionate people who do show up, who do post, who do comment. And we do see often, like, not an outright endorsement of, say, the most extreme elements of these protests, you know, QAnon conspiracy theories, for example. But plenty of content that could be interpreted by some of the people that follow these movements as a kind of wink and a nod. Okay, so
0: is there a concern then that some of the people who are being attracted to these anti lockdown protests, people like Nathan, could end up being pulled further into the kind of ideology that's being expressed at these rallies or towards the politicians who are courting that anger?
1: Right. I mean, I certainly would want to avoid any kind of singular theory of why people showed up on Saturday, why they were there, as you've mentioned. But there is that risk and the concern that people who are entering these movements for a whole range of reasons might end up being drawn to some of the more extreme elements of the communities they're now participating in.
2: So I would say pre-COVID, let's say, to not put an exact timestamp on it, I was politically marooned. I loads going to elections and putting in my ballots and, and things like this.
1: Um, I mean certainly it could be seen as a promising recruitment ground for the far right because there's a lot to mobilize off there, that resentment of the government, that sense of disenfranchisement, frustration with how
2: things have been managed. Right now when it comes to politics, although I'm not well educated in politics, um, I, I definitely have taken more of an interest and I definitely know that in upcoming elections that I will be spending you know, a month leading into it really researching who I'm going to vote for and, and what they actually stand for, what is their message. And there is
1: a risk, I suppose, of some element of political mobilisation out of this. Certainly there are some would-be political parties that are based around anti-lockdown groups and anti-vaccination sentiments. So I don't think we're going to see this go away entirely. And certainly there's a lot of chatter in some
2: of these groups about upcoming protests. Will I go to future rallies? Absolutely. I will, I will definitely be attending future rallies and standing up for the people, whether there's the people that are opposed to the rallies, I'm standing up for you as well.
1: I think overall, like, there's a message here too that economic well-being can't really be seen as oppositional to public health. We need to really look at greater financial support and a real actionable roadmap to remove restrictions and start talking to people on the level because this really isn't going away.
0: Ariel, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian has announced that the state's lockdown will be extended for at least another four weeks. On Wednesday, the state recorded another 177 cases of COVID-19. The state government will allow some construction activity to resume in August, and Year 12 students will be prioritised for access to the Pfizer vaccine in order to aid their return to school. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison has compared the campaign to get Australians vaccinated to a gold medal run at the Olympics, calling on Australians to embrace the Olympic spirit and get vaccinated. Morrison also announced that the $600 disaster payment for people in lockdown, who've lost more than 20 hours a week of work, will lift to $750. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.